Good morning, church family. Rise and shine. Hey, it's a beautiful day out there. Hey, we're going to have a few activity things here right this morning. First of all, I want to read a scripture here. Uh, for, so if everyone could stand, we're going to read a scripture together. This scripture here this, eve, this, this morning uh, comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So uh, read, read with me here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Father, again, we thank you and praise you as we open up your word, have your spirit, Lord, now move in a mighty way and use your word to minister to our hearts. May we be eager to ready to receive what you have for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope, I hope you're enjoying my favorite book, the book of Revelation. I hope it's your favorite book as well, because it's certainly mine. And uh, as we open up the pages, we're going to be picking right back up where we left off last week. We'll be in verse 18 of chapter 2 of Revelation. We're going to be touching on the church of Thyatira just here today. Let's pray. Let's, let me get focused here. Father, we again thank you. What a blessing it is. As a church family, we can witness you adding to beautiful children to the Lodico family. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to praise you and honor you and glorify you to, to, in this way to, to see Benson dedicated to you, to be raised up according to your way. And Lord, now, as we open up your word, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take your word, to come into the ears, listening ears, ears that are eager to hear from you, desiring to hear from you, hearts desiring to hear the truth. That we're not just sitting here for the sake of just sitting here, but knowing that by your spirit, you can literally speak to us individually. And I pray that your spirit would come across this place. And to those online, I pray you will speak to their hearts right where they're at, in their living rooms, wherever they are, Lord. Minister to them. Show your love. Reveal your love to them and how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we will look at the fourth church Jesus writes to the seven churches in Asia Minor. I'm going to read through all these verses. You will find this is the longest letter of the seven letters to these seven churches in Asia Minor. This church sits about 45 miles southeast of Pergamos that we talked about last week. And as we read through this, note the five elements, key elements here as we go through here and each of these, and we will talk about them more specifically. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, to the pastor, I write this letter so you can tell the church there in Thyatira. These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like the flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, 
faith and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, key word there, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I give her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works Now to you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations." Now we see Jesus quoting from Psalm 2. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in our... text today, we're going to see again that fourth church that God uses to not only speak of that real church at that real time in that real place of Asian Minor, sitting on the western side of modern day Turkey today. It also speaks to the church today because it is to, designed by God. Remember, Jesus is giving these words to the Apostle John to write them down for you and I even still today. Not only from a church body as perspective, but also from an individual perspective of how and where do you stand today in your relationship with God? Does this church speak to you as an individual? And how does the churches speak to us collectively as a church today called Calvary Chapel North Country? Now, when we look at the scripture here, we're going to see that this church is the corrupt church. We saw last week a compromising church. We have seen Smyrna, which had no negative whatsoever that Jesus had to call out at all. They were the persecuted church. They lived for Jesus so much, the persecution was even coming heavier on them. But Jesus had everything to praise them and nothing to rebuke them about. But remember the very first church. We find that they were the church that lost their first love. They had walked away from the love of God, their passion for Christ. They got wrapped up too much into the church things to do and not really worshiping the one you were to be worshiping. Jesus and Jesus alone. 
They were worshiping all more, more like the religious organization and the things you do for God than it was really worshiping him. And that's where we should never lose our focus. But here in Thyatira, the church of Thyatira means continued sacrifice. A continued sacrifice is what this word means here at Thyatira. It was the smallest of the seven, church, uh, the seven cities and the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And historically, we cannot find anything in Scripture, nor historically through um, Tertullian or any of the Josephus, there was no persecution, no religious or political persecution that happened to this church. That's not a good sign, as we will see. Again, the city was a city historically, we know, was a center for business and trade. They were very well known for their guilds. Their guilds were so famous, they even had their own Patreon deity for each of the guild or unions that they had. So they had the, the, um, the, the carpenter union or carpenter guild. And then they had the, the stone workers and they had the plumbers and they had all these different unions for different trades, these guilds. And each one of them had a, their own God that they were represented and they would come together in these feasts with their guilds and they would, as a, all these workers and families would come together and they worshiped that God, that a deity they had so that God would bless them with their work and bless them with their skills and bless them. They would worship all kinds of little gods. Well, that posed a problem for Christians. Here you are, you're a, you're a stone cutter, you've been in that guild, you've been in that union, you've been so faithful, and all of a sudden, you come to know Jesus. And you go, there is no other God. There's only one and true God, and that is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I, I, I know Jesus, the Messiah that we spoke of in the Old Testament. I worship him and him alone. But all of a sudden, these unions said, hey, we're having a union uh, meeting. Bring the feast. We're having a good time. We're gonna get, this, is what, this is our units. We're going to have a unit meeting. We're going to have an organizational meeting. We're going to have this. What well, you fill it in. And when you come together, not only were you going to have a feast and have a good time and, and esprit de corps and all these kinds of things. No, no, no. You're coming here to worship the God that that guild represents. And you're as a Christian now going, wait, I'll come. I, I work here. I, I, I do this work. I'm going to come. But I cannot worship that false God any longer. I know Jesus. He has saved me. I am not turning back to that. What was happening is they were losing their jobs because of that, because they wouldn't worship this little God. They would no longer follow this little God like they used to. Now their lives have been changed. Now they're following Jesus and Jesus alone for their salvation. You can imagine the tension. What do you mean you're not going to drink and party with us? This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is our culture. This is, a, this is history. This is what we've always done in our culture. And you're going to be challenged just like they were challenged because you're sitting there, no, I'm not going to get drunk. No, I'm not going to be sleeping around. I'm not going to be gaming these things. I'm not going to be giving my... No, Jesus is the only one I give my life to. And they would lose their jobs. They would be persecuted. This also was an, a military outpost because this military outpost literally was designed and put in place 
for the purpose of protecting Pergamos. And so as long as they were there in Pergamos, that's their purpose was from a military outpost is to protect that world trade center kind of a place for things to go on for the Greek and Roman uh, from the east to the west, all, everything for all the, the movement of products, goods and services. There's only one other place where we see Thyatira coming into the scripture, and you know where that is, and that's in Acts chapter 16. If you remember, mentions a, a lady called Lydia of Thyatira, who was a seller of purple cloth from the city of that Thyatira. And it was famous for this manufacturing of purple dye. It came from a very specific oyster uh, of, of just a little bit of stuff that they have to collect. It was very rare, very expensive. Very, 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 very expensive. But it was potent to be able to dye purple and also to red. And they would use this because a Roman emperor, empire was known for their colors and their military and everything in red and purple. So they would have to produce this. And this is where it would come from. There were very large trade and manufacturing of clothing in this area. But if you remember, the Lord opened her heart when she was in Philippi. She met this guy named Paul. And as, God, he, they, as she listened to Paul speaking of the things of Jesus, the things of God, the Lord, the scripture says, he opened up her heart to hear and understand what Paul was saying. And from that, she gives her life to Jesus and Paul baptizes her there in Philippi. She then says to uh, Paul and Silas, hey, why don't you come to my house? Come to Thyatira. My town needs to hear this. Like, we don't, this is all new to me. I've never heard this. You've got to come to my town. You've got to come to my city. Now, we don't know, again, scripturally or historically, who went there to be the very first person to, to start a church and to start the movement in that town. But we know Lydia went back to her home. Was she on fire for the Lord where she was just sharing the gospel with everybody she knows in her? Because she, she produced, she had a guild, she had a production of this clothing material and the color. Imagine what took place in her, her guilt. Did it radically change because she now knows Jesus? And she got rid of the God the, or goddess she would cause everyone to worship? Now did she go back to a business? And she said, this business is changing. We're not worshiping no other God, but Jesus himself. Can you think of the potential of the impact that may have had? But we know that the movement happened, and we now see this church that started in Thyatira. And it's grown to a certain point to now God is now recognizing and bringing to light what this church is like, and it's not good. It's a very corrupt church. It's almost had an after effect from Pergamos. Pergamos was, they were compromising in some things. They had an influence, now went from compromise now into corruption. Because they did not stick with the word of God. Look what happens in verse, uh, second part of uh, of, of, of verse 18 it says in the angel of the church of Thyatira right and then it says these things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass notice here that Jesus first describes himself a title emphasizing his deity 
this Son of God. It's the only place mentioned here in his, of, of the Son of God. Most of, most of the time as man of God. Here he's emphasizing the Son of God because he's drawing attention to the fact that he is deity. He is God in the flesh. Now in the Jewish thought or Jewish mindset, when you said the sons of something or someone, it described the nature of that person. We see the sons of the sorcerers in Isaiah 57.3, the nature of a sorcerer. They, those are sons of sorcerers. We also see the sons of thunder in Mark 3.17, the, the nature like thunder, the sons of thunder. There was, a divine, there was just something about them that were pretty hard guys. Pretty bold. They're like, they, 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 they thundered. And their outward actions, their displays, their nature. Here we see the Son of God is the divine nature, the nature of God, of who Jesus is. That is what he's describing here. But he also gives, not only the one time here in the book of all of Revelation, the Son of God, but we also see, he says, I'm, I have eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass. See, in this town, they were very, um, like all the other towns we've seen, they were very like, they had their main uh, attraction or, um, what's, what's it called, the, uh, like a um, tourist trap, yeah, kind of a thing, a tourist thing. Every town has a tourist moment, place to go. For theirs was the Temple of Apollo. And that Temple of Apollo was what referred to as the sun god. So which could be explained why God here is giving the words, I am the son of God. You might be worshiping the son, S-U-N God, but you should be worshiping the son, S-O-N God. That is me, Jesus says. Who has eyes like a flame of fire. So Jesus chooses, remember, each of the churches, he gives a description of who he is from the chapter 1. So if you go back to verses 14 and 15, you see those descriptions that was given to us right up front of who Jesus is in chapter 1. And the first one is the emphasis of his eyes, which is looking with penetrating judgment. God's eyes can literally look through all of that facade that you and I have. Can look through and judge rightly and see what is going on. We will see later. He can read your mind, your thoughts, your actions. He sees through all of that. You may have everybody else fooled, but you cannot fool the eyes that are penetrating and can go right through to the depths of your soul. We also see that his feet are like fine brass. And talking in this description here emphasizes his purity because the brass in that day could be so. It was the hardest of the materials of that time. And it could be pure and highly refined down to an end where they use that as mirrors because it can get so refined and polished you can see yourself. It means an emphasis of steadfastness. This brass was a strongest known metal in the ancient world at that time. And the feet were like fine brass. It would mean strong and unmovable. A just God. The description of our Lord. He moves on in verse 19 and he kind of brings to note of what he knows. Jesus knows of this church, of the people of that church. Look at the description. I know your works. Remember all the other churches as well. I know your works. I know what you're doing. 
in that church. I know what you're doing. It's not escaping me. I know all the things and your, all the highlights and all the hard work and all the, the things you think you're doing for God. I know your works, your love or charity. It means in the, in the Greek, it's agape. It's an unconditional. I know your unconditional love for serving other people. And serving me. I, I, I got that. I, I see your service. I see your faith. I see your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Now notice that because as when Thyatira was the least significant city of the seven cities. But Jesus says right here, none of that is hidden. You might be a small city, maybe insignificant little church there, but I see your works. I know the love that you're pouring out to others. I am pouring out to God. I know the service. I know your faith. I know your patience. I see it all. I see it all. These four great essential qualities, I see them in your service. I see them in your church. And I'm even going to highlight, Jesus says, I'm even highlighting the fact that your works that you and you first started as a church versus what you're doing now has increased, has gotten more. You've gotten more intense, more zeal for, for the things of God. This is completely opposite of the church of Ephesus. If you remember in church of Ephesus in verse 4, they started off well, they weren't finishing well. They were losing their love. Their, their passion for Christ, for, for why they do what they do as a church body. But like Pergamos, they were tolerant of false teachers. They were tolerant of uh, this evil woman that we will see that has crept into their fellowship that was causing problems and demanding to teach. I'm going to teach. I'm a, I'm a prophetess. I'm going to be prophetic. I'm going to be teaching. And you're going to let me do it. This is the woman that they're dealing with here. And they allowed this false teacher, this person, this woman, to, as we will see, Jezebel, to creep into the church body that would cause some problems where Jesus has to rebuke and call them out on most of them. Remember, this letter is really written to very specific people who did not succumb to that, to encourage them to stay focused. At the same time, he doesn't... Just, oh, you're doing great, you're doing great, you're doing great. And not call out what is not good. And we will see this because in verse 20 it says right here very clearly. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a... Notice that. She calls herself. Doesn't mean she's a prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess. She calls herself, I'm a teacher. She calls me as, uh, herself as a leader. I am a leader. I am called by God to be leading and teaching and all this. And I'm going to have a position to do this. That's, this is what the kind of the woman we're talking about here. It says, calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent. Jesus says, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Oh, the grace of God, the mercies, the patience of God, the long-suffering of God. To give someone like this woman some time to come to her senses and to repent and to change. Because what she's doing is goes against the word of God. 
So it says right here, the word nevertheless, when you see that, that, take note of that in the scripture. Because that means what you just read, and now you get to the next word, nevertheless, it means despite all the good that I just told you, that is erased because of this one issue. Because of this issue, all that good you're doing is being overshadowed, being covered by this evilness. He says, I have a few things against you. No amount of loving and sacrifice works. Nothing. You can say, I love Jesus. I love, love people. I love, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to give and, and do all that. None of those works can compensate for the tolerance of evil within the presence. Make sure you understand that. You and I have to completely understand. It doesn't matter how much you love the Lord and love the God's people and how much you're willing to sacrifice and do for God and give to God and all that stuff, how much you want to come to church and how much you pray and how much you read the Word. All, you cannot think that is going to cover. Nevertheless, the evilness that you allow in your life and in the church overshadows all of that. It cannot be. It cannot be. He says here, you must understand that church was permeated with these false prophetess and to influence the people and lead them into corruption. You've allowed and said it's okay for those evil things that goes against the word of God to stay within the church body and the fellowship. That is not healthy. It's not good. It's going to be like a cancer. It's going to permeate. It's going to affect other people. It's got to be removed. It's got to be. And Jesus says, I gave her time to repent. It's not like the, I gave her time to repent, to change. That's what that means, to change course, to change your way you think. Gave you time. It's not immediate. We're going to see with the, by the grace of God that you will come to your senses. But the word says right here at the very end of verse 21, she did not repent. And the language means she refused to change. She refused to to think differently and change direction. She believed she was right, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. When you see that pride and that stubbornness in the mind of someone, watch out. Pride. Pride comes before the fall. God will give you time. He'll, he'll let the string go out and keep you going out. It's like a little bungee cord. The bungee cord, little harness you put on little boys. Never see one on little girls. Isn't that amazing? I should have put one on my oldest one. <laughs> She's going to she know it. <laughs> she could have come after, come after me on that one. You know that, right? I love you, Sarah. You put them on little bungee cords, right? On the little harness so when you're in the stores and they start running off, they come back, and they, they spring back because they can't get away from you. God gets you on a little bungee cord and he lets you go out a little farther. Eventually it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and eventually what happens? Oh, you're going to come back. You're going to spring back. Something, something, it's going to hurt. But as a child of God, you're going to come back. But we see here, because you allow, notice the, the, notice the language. He calls it right out in verse 20. Because you, pastor, church leadership, because you allowed her to take hold into that church. 
The center of the corruption at this church of Thyatira was a woman Jesus called Jezebel. We do not know if she, her name was really Jezebel or a title of like Jezebel that we see attached to her from, we know, of a real Jezebel in the scripture, if you remember, in 1 Kings chapter 16 through 21, and also back in this, in, up, or I should say 2 Kings chapter 9, talks about this woman back in there having a pattern of Jezebel, which was a devilish wife of King Ahab. Go back and read that today of the 1 Kings chapters 16 through 21 and 2 Kings 9 verses 30 through 37. But that's a woman here we see was calling herself a prophetess, persuaded people to follow her and persuaded some in the fellowship into immoral ways. It's that false teaching. Yes, you can love Jesus, but yes, you can still sleep around. You can be act like you're married, but not married. You can live with her. You can live with him. You can go and, and you'll be just fine. Jesus loves you. You can still live in sin and not be a problem. Just keep coming to church. Just keep serving. Keep giving the money. You can keep coming here. We love you. We have grace. All the, no, no, no. Grace is not giving you and I an ability to say it's okay to go out and sin to have, under God's grace. You have, and I have, as, as we see in the scripture, you're accountable to be, be obedient to the word of God. You can't just sleep around in sexual immorality and think it's going to be okay. You're like, well, God hasn't done anything yet to me. Oh, be very careful. God says right here to her, I gave time to repent. How much time? We don't know. But we came to time. But then it finally came to a time she was going to help be held accountable. So the name of Jezebel had a powerful negative association. If it wasn't her real name, and she just had a title of the Jezebel, Queen Jezebel of, of King Ahab time frame, and it got attached to her. It's like I, I've never heard, I've never seen anyone I've ever met. Have you ever met anyone named Jezebel? I haven't. How about Judas? Have you ever met anyone like it was a Judas? I know they act like a Judas, but have you ever met anyone who says, I'm going to baby dedicate Judas in a church? Hello? <laughs> I don't think we will. In this, I don't think I'm going to have any child come up here and say, Pastor, we want you to dedicate Judas. <laughs> I, just, I don't see that as a Christian family saying that. Why? Because there's a, ne a negative attached to the name of Judas, the Judas who betrayed Jesus. How about, Pastor, will you baby dedicate Hitler to, for everybody? Everyone wants to be witnesses of, of, of dedicating Hitler. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone naming their baby Hitler. It's not in the top 10 of 2023 name picks for babies. I do, I scan those just to see what kind of crazy names are, are in the top you know, 25. Judas and, 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 and Hitler and Jezebel, I don't see them. Because they're a negative connotation to it. Because they were doing evil things in the eyes of God. Now, it was also a strong indication here what this woman was all about. She was one of the most evil characters 
of, of the day in 1 Kings. But we see this Jezebel here, she's doing the same thing. She's doing very dark things. She's First of all, she's claiming to be a prophetess, which she's not. She's claiming that she can just do and teach whatever she wants to do. She can see that, that she's creeped herself and it was received as a prophet, as a leader, as an influencer. And in, in, in this influence, she started to lead people to think and to walk away from the true word of God. And and say it's okay to live in sin habitually when you know you're not supposed to because it goes against the word of God but she had such an influencer she was such an influencer and it can happen in the church it can happen online people can follow influencers and influence you right down a path that takes you away from the word of God that's how powerful she was used by I believe satanic as we will see powering her to do this work. Jesus even said in Matthew 24, 11, there will be many prophets will rise up and deceive many. That is going to happen, and there's no, no, no question. Back in the first century church, third century church, fifth, even today, there are still going to be those who will rise up and say they're a prophet or a prophetess, and I can do, and you can live however you want to. Just follow me. Those words were first spoken with the view to the end times. At the end times, we will see many false prophets and prophetess popping up every which way and claiming it. When you see these things, which we do today, especially with the internet, so you can start your own little prophetess little ministry and own little prophet ministry. You just go on YouTube. You can produce all kinds of videos and vignettes and get a following just like that. It is incredibly crazy. Don't you have to step into a church. All you have to do is get into the minds of the people for you to click on it and get you to watch them. But it was speaking of the end times. This is what's going to look like. This is what's going to happen. This is the dangers as, of, of, of the, to the church body as the people because this self-appointed leader uh, started creeping in. But here's the interesting thing here is that when she's bringing in fornication into the church, she's causing these people to move away into this immoral, ungodly influence on others. And people, how did she get to stay there? How can she continue to be there? That's the question I'm asking. It's a question you should be asking. How can this woman continue to be in the fellowship that, in, in Thyatira? Two reasons. Do you know them? I'll ponder for a minute to think about it. Ask the Lord to show it to you. What two reasons why she was able to continue to stay in that fellowship and have influence? First, her husband. That was one of the problems. And two, church leadership. You know why she was able to do and cause all these problems where Jesus is now rebuking? Because she has a weak husband. A husband that doesn't know the word of God and is not willing to stand firm and say, Woman, you are not going to be proclaiming a prophetess because you know you're not. And you're not going to be in there because the scripture says you're not to be teaching men and having rule and leadership over men. And No. Now, for, for some of you, are like, what? Go to my second Timothy and listen to that teaching. We won't take the time to get into that. But understand what the scripture says. This, this husband did not have a say and an, an influence of her, his wife. The wife ruled the house, it appeared. And so much so, she went right in and actually 
caused the leadership of that church not to stay strong in the word of God and allowed her to creep in into the thing and have these positions. Again, that's a weak leadership. That church leadership has to repent and change because you, they allowed her to, to walk some portion of that church away from the word of God and start following this sexual immorality, immorality in general, this fornication. Because remember, it's not just sexual. It can be non-sexual fornication as well. Some enticing and to get things to move in the direction you see it's crazy in this churches today the people are teaching that you can be dr drink while in the middle of a service get your bring your beer it's a great fellowship and bring your beer and enjoy we're gonna have a are you insane Let's bring all this secular music in and let's just worship all kinds of Beyonce and all kinds of things because that's just what the people want to listen to. And they do that in part of their service. It's insane. So you can get a glimpse of what it was like then and what it is even more today. And the leadership allowed it. The leadership should have never allowed it. Jesus said in Mark 9 to 42, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him or her if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Oh, may that be a check for all of us not to lead people from away from Christ and the, and the truths of God. Later in this letter, we will see here in verse 24, that's how dark Jezebel was taking these people. It was taken right down to the depths of Satan. <clears throat> but notice here the grace of God. Notice the patience of God. These people were a part of this church was moving in a direction in darkness, living in sexuality, however they wanted to, the immorality and doing all kinds of junk here. He says, I gave her time to repent, but she did not repent. She rejected the work of the Holy Spirit in her heart, convicting her, and she kept suppressing it. No, no, that, I, I'm not listening to God for that. Jezebel, you need to change. No, no, no I'm, I'm fine. I've got everything going. This, I'm in control. No, Jezebel, you better change. Repent is what you're doing is, is, is against, against me. No, 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 I'm going to continue to live. I really want this sexual immorality. I want to live the way I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. Jezebel, you shouldn't be doing when you start continuing to suppress what Jesus and the Spirit of God is saying to you about changing and repenting, watch out, the time will come to an end. You have no idea what that time frame is. Why would you risk the consequences and the, the judgment that would come upon you? Because of pleasure, temporary pleasure. We all have to be weary of these things. But notice I have come, I gave her time. I've shown mercy. I've shown the, the patience and, 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 and time of uh, this, this time to repent shows mercy that God is pouring out onto her life. To, you need to change. You need to change. You need to change. She did not. It speaks of the judgment. Okay, you did not. You've settled it in your heart. You're not changing. You're not changing direction. Judgment's going to come. Why? Because Genesis 6-3 warns us, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. 
There's going to better take advantage of it now to repent and get your right, life right with God because time is running out. And you, church leadership, you've allowed it. It shows the sin that was permeating in that church. On the outside, they may have looked like a model church. They were doing all kinds of things for God. They were claiming to love God. They claimed His service and charity. And there are churches out there, even in still the modern day today. Notice here, make note, this church and the next three, the last four churches, are still represented, as they say, in today's Today. Why? Because we're going to get to the scripture that talks about, I am coming. I will come. The other three churches did not have that promise. I will come. The last four churches show that I will come, meaning Jesus will be able to come back and take those that are represented of those last four churches to, to leave them here or take them to, to, to take them to heaven. But notice here, just make that a note here, because he's saying to them, I know all these things, this love, this faith, this patience, all these things here. Everything on the outside looks good, but you've allowed corruption to take place within the church. Again, we don't know how large a group was influenced by Jezebel. It might be a little schism, a little Jezebel schism, and it might have been only a handful of, of women or a, a handful of men and women that they were trying to entice She'd meet him. Hey, I've got something going on at my house. Why don't you come over to my house? Oh, invite some other people. And we'll come in here. And they'd use this little, uh, come to my house and we'll influence you and talk and teach what things are going on. And she'd come back in the church and she would mingle and move around. Oh, come on over to my house and we'll, 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 we'll share. The, we're going to share what the Lord is showing me. Oh, very, 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 very religious-like. Very, very godly, Christian-like thing kind of comments. But what she was sharing was leading them into what? Corruption. See, as we go through the world, this world, we will hear many calls to compromise. We will hear the fleeting pleasures of sin in Hebrews 11.25. We will see the hollow, deceptive philosophies noted in Colossians 2.8. We'll hear about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life in 1 John chapter 2.16. All of this is attempting us to compromise in areas we should not. Usually the temptation to compromise is heightened by some type of fear, of fear of losing out. Fear of not meeting a certain need that you think you have. And that, that, that was the only way that I'm going to fulfill that need is if I, I can't let her go. I can't let him go. Because I, how am I also going to meet my need? But it's the fear that will drive you to reject and criticize and push away the things of God and the people of God. How do we get to this point? Not being obedient to the word of God. Verse 22, now we'll see what Jesus wants the church to do. This is the change that he says to the church people. He says, indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. You want sexual immorality? You want to do this bed thing? You're going to get into a bed. It's going to be sick, though. 
which means there's going to be a disease. There's going to be a pestilence. Something is sickness is going to come upon her life. And all those who are following, there is going to be something that's going to cause you to be in your sickbed. And those who commit adultery, notice here in verse 22, it's the only place you see the word adultery in all of Revelation here. With her into great tribulation. Not just tribulation, but great tribulation. Unless they repent of their deeds, their works. Unless they change their ways, this is what's going to happen. And sure enough, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because Jesus told the Christians in Thyatira what they must do. No repentance, this is the outcome. She will be in the sickbed. It's, a, it's, it's only, again, mentioned here in all of Revelation. And it's all mentioned here, the fact that this adultery, this mindset, this both sexual and spiritual adultery that she's bringing about and affecting other people is going to lead to her death. And it's going to lead to great tribulation that she's going to have to live through. There's a consequence when you go against God. Unless she repents. Jesus revealed the purpose of this chasing. Why did he allow the sickness and put her in a sick bed? And why bringing her through great tribulation? So that the purpose was to chasten. First was to draw to her to, to repent. But if she doesn't draw to the repentance there, then it was to give an example to others. There is consequence. You need to live a holy life. You live, need to live it. Other people are going to watch her life and go, wow, this is clear that she's in the position she's in because she lived this adulterous, this sexual immorality kind of lifestyle. Look at what's happening to her. Look what happens to others. It will bring to light and go, oh, wow, warning, hello. Don't be deceived. How many times I've seen people come into my office and say, Pastor, I never thought it would happen to me. I, I knew it would happen to them because they're weak. But I'm really smart. They had a really bad past, but I don't have a bad past. How did I come to a point where I fell into that same sin? Because you have the same sin. <laughs> it's coming all men. You, this is you because you were not obedient to the word of God and stayed focused on walking and pleasing God in every day. You were trying to please yourself, your flesh. See, God in all his great mercy has given those people who followed Jezebel's teaching time to repent. Gave her chance, she refused. Now he's giving the people who were following her time to repent. We will see if they will or will not. If they don't, they're going through the great tribulation. It's going to be painful. Notice here, these are strong words. Let me make sure I highlight this to you because most, especially, you, you alert to it. Verse 23, I will kill her children with death. What does that mean? Not her children, children. Talking about her followers. Remember, it's, they, if they follow her, they become like her children. She's like the mother. Those who follow her will receive death. And all the churches shall know that I am he, Jesus, who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Notice here the, the verses here. He says, I know what you're thinking. I know what's in the heart. And I can see all that, and you're following that same mindset, that influencer, Jezebel. You cannot do that, and I can see it. 
People say, I'm not, I'm not, I don't listen to those pastors. I don't listen to those people online. I don't listen to that. You can lie to me all you want. I don't need to know. I would like to know to help you, to encourage you to walk away from it. But I don't have to worry about what you're watching or not watching. That it could be a Jezebel out there or an influencer moving you away from God. Because Jesus searches your mind and your heart. I don't need to. I don't come in here looking for junk in your life. I don't need to. God has all the ability to bring to light of all that. He can shine a light on all of that. He says right here, I'm going to give them opportunity to change, a mindset change, to repent. If not, it just leads to death. Could be in the great tribulation time frame. Now, verse 24, now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, those who are not following her doctrine, not her teachings, not those false teachings, you're not following those, those are not following those doctrines, you have not known the depths of Satan. If you were following her, if you were taking and believing what she's dishing out, you're going in the depths of darkness so deep, so dark, so twisted, that you are going to get caught into that web. You're going to be brought down to the depths of, of hell. Why? Because he says, you, you did not know the depths of Satan. As they say, I will put on you no other burden. I'm not putting any burdens on you. I'm asking you to cast all your burdens on me, he says. And I will give you rest. I don't put the burdens on you. I don't put do's and don'ts and all these other these religious requirements and all the law on you. No, I live, you live by the grace of God, that covenant. But if you were following, but he says he's writing to those who were not following in the church. You're not following. You're not buying into that doctrine, the teaching she's doing. You're not in the depths of Satan. You're not caught up in this twisted mindset. You, I mean, you and I, my brothers and sisters, think about this. How of the doctrine that is going on in this world right now, that's creeping actually into the church. If it was outside the church, you're like, oh, that's the world. No wonder it's falling apart. That you can choose your gender. You can choose how you get married. Or not married. You can choose to, to, to sleep around and not sleep. You can do all. Everything that God's design is now being twisted. Have you noticed that? Everything. Everything that God holds true. Marriage. Gender. Every aspect. We're at the end times because everything is now twisted to the depths of Satan. And it's creeping into the church, and the church is saying it's okay for that, for you to live like that in as a believer. You cannot do it. That is a church of Thyatira. Worshipping idols. Worshipping self. Disobedience to the word of God. Living and making up their own rules. When you see these things, look up, my brothers. Why? Because he says right there at the very verse 25, but hold fast what you have till I come. We have the promise. He's coming for us. Amen? He's coming for us. 
We don't have to worry about these things. All we have to do is make sure you stay strong, you keep your family strong, and you be an influencer in a positive way for God in the lives of the people who are in the church around you to encourage them to keep eyes on, on Jesus and give a nice little lo lovely rebuke to someone who says, oh, I, 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 read, I, I watched on, t on, on, on YouTube that it's okay. I, it's a great, he's a great teacher. You should listen to him. Be careful when you hear things like that. Test all things. And then rebuke your, your, your buddy who says, oh, that's a great teacher. You should, no. Did you listen to the teaching? It goes against the word of God. I No, no. Get rid of it. If you really love your brother, you would tell him, get rid of it. Why? Because they, they passively allowed that stuff to creep into the church. The leadership said, as long as she doesn't cause any problems and cause, cause any um, uh, split in the church and all these things. Well, let's just not get, we don't want to split in the church. Let's just let her go. Maybe we can pacify her. I'm telling you. They're facing the consequences because of that. Oh, I can't handle my wife. I'm just going to let her do whatever there is. I can't handle her griping and complaining and, and whispering and gossiping. I can't handle it. I, can't, I want peace when I come home. Watch out, young man. Watch out. You're going to be held responsible for your wife. And we will see. Because he says here in verse 25, till I come. We are to hang on these words. Hold fast till I come. Because Jesus is coming. He's going to come and he's going to rapture his church out of this place. Rapture us out. And it is only then that the battle will be over. This is the first promise of his return found in these letters is right here of the remaining three churches. Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodiceans will see that same. Because he tells them to hold fast because why? Keep looking up and wait because Jesus says he is coming for his church. And when he comes for his church, the rapture, after seven years of great tribulation, when those, those who chose to follow Jezebel, after the seven years, then Jesus will come with the church back to this earth. That's his second coming, and we will be with them all on the white horses. I hope you like wearing white because you're going to be wearing white. Verse 26. Here's the promise of the reward for those who choose to follow Jesus. And he who overcomes, he keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. You and I, as we come back with him in his second coming, will be ruling and reigning. How that all plays out, it all depends on how faithful you are serving him here. will determine what your responsibility will be in the, in when we come back and rule and reign with him during the thousand year millennial. Are you faithful now? Are you faithfully serving him? Faithfully following him? We'll see what we, what we will get and get to do. Whatever it is, whatever size and scope and everything, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. I don't worry about the size and scope and responsibility. I just want to be faithful now because I just know the reward is ahead of me. Because the scripture tells me so. Even when there is immoral and idolatrous influences such as Jezebel, 
Christians can overcome and keep Jesus' work until the end. We can stay very faithful. Just don't get your eyes on what's going on around the world, what's going on and creeping into other churches. You just worry about where God has planted you to, to, to serve and to, to live and to do life together with your brothers and sisters. We watch this where we have uh, control of, of what's taking place in this place. That we protect our fellowship, we watch over the fellowship, we encourage people, but we also lovingly correct people if they get off astray because they've read a book or listened to someone else. They start talking about what they're learning. Yet if it doesn't line with scripture, please lovingly ask them where they're, where they're getting information. And point them back to with the elders. Point them back to us so we can open the word of God with them to help them. Because you don't want them going too far down into those Jezebel influencers. In John's gospel, Jesus answered and said to them, and this is the key thing. He says, I, he says, keep my works. If you overcome, keep my work. What does that mean? If you go back in the scripture, you see noted the same word, work of God, in John chapter 6, 29. So, for you and I, we're following Jesus, work, keep my works. What are my works? What, all of, what is he saying here? It says very clearly in 629, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has sent him. Keep on believing. Keep on following. Keep on living for Jesus. And you're doing the work. The work of God. Are you? This morning, are you finding yourself, you are continuing to, to be an overcomer and follow Jesus. Continue to believe in Jesus. Are you? If you're not, if you don't know Jesus in a personal level, today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus. I know the Spirit of God's touching your heart. You need to open up your heart and ask Him to come in and just repent. You need to repent. I know I'm doing those things that I hear pastors teaching and the Spirit of God is talk, teaching you and telling you, you need to immediately stop rationalizing. You need to repent, change, and go and follow Jesus. You need to believe and you need to do. Because he says to him, I will give power over the nations. I'll give you the strength and the ability now and in eternity. Why? Verse 27, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to the pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. So this quote that Jesus gives John to write down comes out of Psalm 2. Go back to Psalm 2, I think, verse 9. And it speaks of the Messiah and his ruling over the earth during that thousand year reign. And we are going to be part of it. And he says, if those who do not follow Jesus, they will be dashed in to pieces like the clay pot that hit with an iron, iron bar. When he comes back and rules and reigns, there will be no dissension. There'll be no riots in the street of Jerusalem or anywhere else. They, he will have like a, like a rod... Breaking the pots, man. He is, there, no one is going to be out of line during that, that thousand year reign. 
And we will be part of that. Why? Because Jesus reminds the people. He's encouraging the people who are not following Jezebel and this wickedness, the depths of Satan. He says, you're on the winning team. I've already given you victory. I've already died for your sins of the cross. I have finished the work there. You just need to continue to believe and do the work of God by continuing to believe and follow me. And don't get distracted and dissuaded because you're on the winning team. Following Jezebel and following these same things are not the winning team. You're going to lose and go through great tribulation and leading to death. You cannot be distracted by these things. And what does he say? Here's the reward in verse 28. And I will give him the morning star. I will give you the victory. Jesus is offering them a great, great reward than the, greater than the kingdom. He says he offers them the reward of himself. Why? Because the morning star, the bright and morning star, is referring to him. You receive him. We see that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, when we get there. In the Old Testament, he was referred to as the son of righteousness, Malachi 4, 2. Verse 29, here's a general exhortation he's given to all the churches in the writing of the letters. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. That applies to every person in every situation. You are Jezebel, it applies to you. Change. If you are following a Jezebel, that applies to you. Change. If you're not following, you're not applying, you're not the Jezebel, and you're holding fast, this applies to you. The encouragement is he's coming back for you and for me. God's exhortation for these, four, these first four churches in chapter 2, except for Smyrna, is all about repentance. Change. Repentance, change. How tragic it is. And as we go into communion, as we go in here, just being reminded he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As a church, we can examine and search ourselves. Have we allowed or tolerated any false teaching or teachers to creep into this church? I guarantee you not. I'm watching and I know you're watching. Because you can't sit here and hear the word of God verse by verse and continue. And lastly, as an individual, search your heart. Search your mind. Test and see. What has the Lord said to you? You need to look at that. And if you need to repent, you need to repent. Come to Jesus. As we come to the communion table, as we get these, as the guys come forward, we're going to pass them out. Hold on to them. As we take communion, the worship team's going to come up. We're going to lead you in worship. Hold the elements. But in that time of the worship's going on and you're sitting there, be focused on searching your heart and knowing what God is saying to you. If you need to repent, repent. Give it up to Jesus and then take communion as a believer that's right with God. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you for this uh, day, Lord. We thank you for everything from the time of baby dedication, reminding us how important it is to be raised in our children in a godly way, your way from, from birth, from the womb, all the way to now as adults, as we listen and we're hearing the warning to this church of today. 
And we can think of many churches that have gone into idolatry and, and into immor sexual immorality and allowed all kinds of worshiping of all kinds of things and people to creep into their life and still say, I'm a Christian right with God. Because, but they're not, Lord. May your spirit have touched their heart today to get them to repent, to come back to you, to believe and do the work of God, to believe with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.